afternoon, everyone. I'm joined today by Jose Silva, a dive instructor. Um, I know in Patty you have different levels of different instructors. Ratings, like, yes. what is your rating? I'm a, scu- I'm a master scuba diver trainer. Master? That's one of the highest there is, right? Uh, there's a few more that are higher. Yeah. <laughs> if you uh, are familiar with scuba diving, there should be a lot in here that you're uh, that's familiar to you. And if you've never scuba dived before, maybe there'll be something said today that kind of inspires you to go for a either a resort dive or get your open water certification and try becoming a scuba diver. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's pretty casual. Cool. Yeah. No pressure. Just going to do whatever. <laughs> whatever I, like, I, I like casual. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I do what I do. <laughs> well, so you've been diving uh, for a long time. I've been diving for 30 years. And then you've been and I've like been, working professionally. And I've been a professional instructor for about 21 years. The other day, you, were to- you told me approximately how many dives you've done and how many people you certified. Yeah, I mean, I know I have over 1,100 certifications that I've issued, and I probably have about 12,000 dives. That's a lot, by the way. <laughs> That's a lot of diving. <laughs> I think I'm maybe at 150. Yeah. Which seems like a lot it's, from my it, perspective. It's a lot when you're having to pay for them. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, nothing compared to a real professional here. Um, has the majority of your work as a professional diver, has it been as an instructor? Or have you been doing like other kinds of pro dive uh, work? No, mostly as an instructor. And then I've had a couple of years here and there that I did mostly photography and videography oh. on the water. So I stopped teaching for a little while. Yeah. And never do some... like ship maintenance or pipe maintenance or anything not, like that not, no commercial diving no kind of industrial setting yeah it's mostly recreational dealing with tourism okay. uh what are some of the countries that you've worked in i worked in spain i worked in egypt i worked in israel tanzania kenya malawi mozambique malaysia thailand indonesia Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, Mexico, and the United States. And of all those locations, I bet some have better working conditions. Maybe some have better diving conditions. Like, what are the highlights for you? I mean, uh, at the end of the day is, you know, the diving. I mean, I do what I do because I love to go diving. Yeah. So to me, there are certain places is, you know, that quality of the diving has a lot to do with it yeah so indonesia malaysia were fantastic you know the diving yeah um the diving in the caribbean is very rewarding good conditions most of the year uh the red sea fantastic yeah diving i mean everywhere i work that i chose to work is because it was good in a way or the other yeah and um where are we now where, where what is this place we are in uh next to the black rock dive site in maui hawaii yeah you know, at the Sheraton Resorts. And how long have you been working here? I've been at this shop for about a year and a half right now. But I started working and being involved with them, with the company, probably about five years ago. Yeah. Longer, yeah. When you're working as a dive instructor, when you're kind of getting bored of... I assume you're getting bored of one location, you're ready... That's when you start looking for another place yeah, to go? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I did back when I started diving. You know, the whole point of uh, getting into, you know, becoming a dive instructor was so I could travel. Uh, I could travel. I could, you know, go work different, you know, countries. 
So that's what I did, you know. I did every six months, every year. I already had a plan to go to a new place, yeah. Now I'm settled in Hawaii. So, you know, now I'm here permanently. Oh, permanently. Yeah. That's a kind yeah. of a bold statement to make, though. Yeah, I know, yeah. You never know what things will change, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, now I go diving when I'm on vacation. Yeah, if I want to take vacation, I go somewhere else. I go diving, I get my fix, and I come back, you know, and I work. When you go, um, as a professional diver, when you go diving in other locations, do you just rent your own tank and go, or do you, like, sign up uh, for a tour? All depends. I mean, if you need a boat to get there, you have to go with somebody. Yeah. Uh, luckily, the dive industry is a small industry, so you get to, even if you haven't been to a place, there's people there that you have connections with, yeah? Maybe somebody that used to work with me in another place, yeah? So there's always a good professional courtesy as far as that goes. Yeah, certain locations, I just bring my, all my equipment, I rent tanks, and then I go diving. I rent a car, and I can drive, you know, and I can dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it all depends on the location. Here you do a lot of shore diving. I do, you know, basically all shore diving. Does yeah. it get, like, I assume that 90% of the student dives you're doing are right here yeah. at the Black Rock. Yeah. Does that get boring? No. I mean, the, the ocean has got one of those things. I mean, the dive site is the same. But marine life changes throughout the time, yeah, throughout the year. You know, like certain times I'll have, you know, eagle rays will come in during the summertime. During the wintertime, you get the whales, you know, like, you know, out there. So, you know, things change throughout, yeah. So it's always good, yeah. So you can actually see the whales when you're doing I have seen whales out here, yeah, yeah. Wow. 30 feet of water, yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic, 30, yeah. 30 foot of whale and 30 th- yeah, foot of 60 water. Yeah, fo- 60 foot of whale and 30 feet of water, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, cool. Okay, so because this is a podcast about design, and one of the main things of design is problem solving. Yeah. I'm curious, what kinds of problem solving do you have to deal with on a daily basis? Oh, it's all kinds. Uh, I mean, you have, first of all, you know, like it's a very personal industry. You have to deal with different people different backgrounds, okay, different perspective of what they're getting out of diving, especially beginner divers. Yeah, somebody might be excited about it. Somebody might be very nervous about it. You have to be able to deal with, you know, the different personalities, you know, one way. Equipment, related problems. Yeah, you know, you have to deal with all the equipment. You have to be on top of all that. And then, of course, environment. You know, you never know what the ocean's going to give you. So you just have to basically prepare for what, you know, is there at the moment, yeah. Uh, when you're when you're uh, when you're doing the open water coursework, one of the things that they say is, at the end of the day, it's up to you if you want to dive that day. Yeah, you know, like um, if you're if you're not com- if you're not comfortable with the conditions, or if you're feeling that you might have con- congestion, mm-hmm. don't dive. Is what yeah. the coursework says. Yep. Now, as an instructor who might have customers with expectations of yeah. like if I've signed up for a dive today yeah. if you have a little bit of congestion yeah well I mean me I mean I can if I'm the one who was I, I never get really you know conditions that I can't dive you know I learn how to deal with you know if I have a little cold I treat it ahead of time I don't you know get myself all you know blocked up that I can't go diving I never had ear problems either. You know, a lot of dive instructors do have ear problems throughout the years. I never had that, you know, so lucky there. Um, but no, I mean, I, I can go diving. If I cannot go diving, I mean, I'm dealing with people's safety. So, you know, 
if I cannot be there 100%, you know, either we get somebody else to come in or the dive doesn't go out. Mm. Speaking of, of ear problems, I don't normally have uh, much trouble with equalize, equalizing. Mm -hmm. So that's as you're going down, you have to add pressure behind your eardrum, yeah. essentially. And then as you're coming up, you have to somehow let that pressure come out. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why they, they say don't dive if you have a sinus congestion or a cold is that that airway could become blocked. Yep, it can become blocked. It may be really difficult to, you know, like get any more air in there, yeah, which is basically what you need to do. You got to keep adding air the deeper you go as air compresses. So, you know, if you're unable to, you can't force it. That's one of those things that's, you know, your body telling you, hey, you shouldn't be in the water today. Now, I went on a two-tank dive yesterday, mm -hmm. and on the second dive, uh, there was an issue ha uh, Halfway through, sorry, on the, try to remember, okay. So on the second dive, there was an issue that mm. caused me to have to surface. Yeah. Went back down. That wasn't really an issue. But then when we were, uh, after the safety stop, so after really the third dive, yeah. uh, my son dropped his goggles okay. and they landed at about 15 feet yeah. and I had to swim down to get them, but I had a hard time equalizing, equalizing on that yeah. one. And I don't. It was like no matter what what I was doing, it does, it the air didn't clear, want to go. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So what's what's up with that? Is there something yeah. with like subsequent dives that makes it harder to? No, equalize? I mean it just changes throughout. I mean, like sometimes you know, like you can have you know, like no problem, and you do your first dive, yeah, and then you come back up, second dive, you go out, and your ears may give you problems, you know. But it's just basically dealing with the problem the proper way. Never push it. Yeah, if you cannot equalize. You abort the dive, yeah, uh, but you can give it a few times, you know, try and just, it's sometimes easy just to kind of level yourself, don't push it too much, you know, just, you know, give it time, the, the ears will clear out eventually, mm -hmm. yeah. Of course, swimming fast down never helps. Right, so I think when I was trying to capture, catch, catch those goggles that yeah. were sinking, I was probably yeah. Once you descending start going fairly fast. fast. Yeah. Um, What's your interior state while you're diving? Oh, well, when I'm underwater, is I'm meditating. Yeah, I'm in my sand, you know, like level. Yeah, when I'm underwater, of course, I'm still, you know, one hundred and ten percent aware of everything that's going on. You know, like all my senses, you know, like get basically, you know, more in tune with everything because I have to, you know, watch out for people. Yeah, yeah that's when I'm leading dives. When I'm on my own, you know. I'm completely, you know, like meditating underwater. You know, you that breathing, you know, throughout for a good 45 minutes of time. Yeah, it, you know, it it has wonderful effects. Yeah, I uh, I started to have this this it's it's you know I dived um, I got a dive master certification and at that yeah. time I did a lot of dives. Yeah, but in the last few years I'm really lucky if I can dive a you know do one dive trip one. a year basically. And the first couple dives, you kind of forget. Yeah, you kind of forget. Yeah, well, like, you, know. you you hit the water and you're like, oh wait, which button yeah. is the deflator and which know. one's the inflator? Well, we always say it's like riding a bike. Yeah, you know? so you, the first you know like dive or two, you may not feel completely there, but things do come back. The training takes over. Yeah, you know. So, I. Uh, so one thing I I definitely felt, and then I was like, oh, I I guess I felt this before, but I forgot about this completely. Yeah, and um. 
this isn't something that they talk about in the dive literature uh, in that I've seen. Yeah, is if you have your uh, if you've got some decent buoyancy control, if you're weighted correctly yeah. and you're relaxed, mm-hmm. you can kind of control a lot of your buoyancy just through breathing. Well, that's I mean that's that's what you do. I mean yeah. that's that's part of the the beginner buoyancy skill and the open water level. But what they don't you know? tell you, they're like, yeah, you should, yeah, you should be able to do that. But what yeah. they don't tell you is the subjective feeling of that. Yeah. So objectively, they're like, this is this is good buoyancy control. Yeah. But I found the interior state when you're doing that is freedom. Mm-hmm. It's just very relaxing that that you're like, oh, I need to be there. Yeah. Okay, I'm there without really exerting effort. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's part of the, you know, like the main, you know, keys of, you know, training anyway, you know, like to stay relaxed, breathe slow, move slow, you know, let your buoyancy control, you know, be basically, con- you know, done with your breathing. Yeah. You're breathing in, you're breathing out. Yeah. The buoyancy control device, the jacket, is only to provide certain buoyancy. At the surface, yeah, it provides all the buoyancy, but underwater, your lungs is what provides the buoyancy. Mm. Yeah. Do you, as you're descending, do you add air to your BC normally? I do have to because I'm usually overweighted when I'm diving with people. Uh-huh. Yeah, I carry extra weight all the time. Yeah. If I'm just diving on my own, I don't need much weight. I don't need to add much air underwater. So the, 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 the problem in my dive yesterday, um, yeah. my son got a new wetsuit. Yeah. I mean, rented a new wetsuit. Yeah. It was a seven millimeter long. Oh, yeah. So, you know. And we increased the weight. Yeah. But not really enough. Not enough, yeah. So, you know, once he got past the first 10 feet, no problems. Yeah. But uh, once he was coming back up, yeah, it was just yeah shooting up. Yeah. And I was kind of at a perfect waiting for myself. Yeah. So I didn't have enough weight to actually pull him back Give down. Him, yeah. You know? So, yeah, you try to get him, and then all of a sudden, you know, like even a you know, 10-year-old boy can still pull you up. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't have enough weight on you, yeah. So it's probably a lesson to be learned in there somewhere. I, so, I don't know. So, I don't know what it's it is. It's always good to be overly, you know, weighted. Yeah, not all the time, but sometimes it's better. So it's a little weird for me to check, but I've, I've had that on the water. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, oh yeah. You your... know, when I when I thought I had like something fantastic swim by, and you think you hit record, and actually you hit stop because the camera had been recording oh, yeah. the whole time before. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Um, not necessarily with diving, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you don't get a second chance in diving. You know, once that chance is there and you get, you know, the marine life, you know, in the perfect position, you know, it's hard to get it again. Yeah. Uh, you don't do much underwater photography anymore? Not anymore. I mean, I do still a little bit, but not as, you know, as part of my income. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. As I did before. So before you're doing it commercially? No, I was, I was basically teaching a lot of photography courses, teaching a lot of videography courses, uh, recording and taking pictures of you know students and people on the water creating video edits for them yeah a lot of promotional videos yeah uh for tourism you know for dive shops and stuff like that yeah okay and then just for my own fun uh, producing my own little you know underwater documentaries yeah. when my dad first started doing underwater videography he would buy these ceramic housings yeah and now he just brings a gopro yes exactly yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I used to shoot, yeah, this is back in the mid-2000s, yeah, when I got into videography. I had um, 
basically a clear Icalite housing with a Sony semi-professional camera. Yeah, the whole rig was probably about you know back then in 2005, maybe still like twelve thousand dollars with my lights and everything else. Yeah, I still have the camera. Yeah, but my GoPro, the quality of the GoPro now is better than that of you know you know state-of-the-art cameras ten years ago. Yeah, so you know, like yeah, you know, a GoPro takes fantastic footage. Yeah, is that something that you carry on you often or not? Not, not much. When I'm with certified divers, I may have it. When I'm with student divers, I never ever have a camera with me. Yeah, but with certified divers, yeah, I may take the camera sometimes. Yeah. Okay, what know. are some of the scariest things you see certified divers do, mm-hmm. and what are some of the scariest things you see student divers do? Well, I mean, they're probably the same. I mean, sometimes student divers are better than certified divers. You know, you never know, you know, like they're, how relaxed they are in the comfort level. But yeah, getting themselves into, you know, a dangerous position. You know, that's the, that's the worst part because, I mean, our job is to provide logistics and, you know, how to safely enter, how to safely exit the water, which is usually your, that's where most accidents happen. Most accidents in diving happen at the surface or happen getting in and out of the boat or in and out from shore. Yeah. Underwater, once you're underwater, as usually things can be, you know, prevented. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, people putting in the position that they didn't pay attention. You know, they think they know better. Yeah. And they omit following, you know, like recommendations as far as safety. And then they put themselves into a position that, you know, you don't want to be in. Have you ever seen uh, people get decompression sickness? No, never. Never had. I mean, I worked at a place a long time ago that we actually had a, a recompression chamber at the resort. So, yes, I dealt with it. I, I got trained as a, you know, like a neurological examiner, okay, for decompression sickness. Um, I was getting trained to be an assistant, okay, during, you know, recompression on a chamber. Yeah, so I learned all that. I've seen some, you know, like horrible, you know, like stuff, yeah. Not from recreational divers. Uh-huh. Mostly I used to work with uh, lobster divers in the Caribbean. And when you know what that happens, you know, like you don't eat lobster no more. Oh, yeah? Because, oh, yeah, they, they, these guys are, you know, like they're killing themselves. Yeah, going diving. They take a tank. They have no training whatsoever. They're doing very deep dives back to back to back because then, you know, the more lobster they get, the better money they make. Uh, so they omit all safety, you know, aspects of it and they get, they get themselves into, you know, a position in which they're bent. They're out away from any, you know, medical help. By the time they actually come to the chamber, they're in a real bad state. So I, the recreational dive guidelines are extremely conservative. Yes, right? they are very conservative, yeah. So the is that I guess why you don't see well, why I mean, you haven't you, seen you, you can still have I mean the thing is that if you stay within the guidelines well we always say you know like the what's the primary reasons you know divers get bent okay they get decompression sickness it's usually diver error you know like ninety percent of the time as long as you stay within your you know depth limits time limits you know like follow all the rules that you learn throughout the training okay. You're in a very safe place, yeah? Diving can be extremely safe. It's when you push the limits, yeah, or your physical effort is too much, yeah, then that's when you can get into trouble and you're playing with, you know, yeah, a very serious, you know, injury. When you're leading a group of uh, divers and you're in the front, mm-hmm. how do you keep an eye on the last person? In the I got line? eyes in the back of my head. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I turn around. Yeah. I know where everybody is. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, like I, I don't just take off. I mean, that can happen. Some people can take off. Some people can zoom away from me. Yeah. But, you know, I know how to locate them. I know how to keep them all together. I make it interesting. I make them feel like they want to follow me because I know where things are. Yeah. So if I'm more interactive with them underwater, they feel more of the need to stay with you. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, so it's all, you know, like, uh, I'm not just showing stuff, you know, like to, you know, like to show you stuff. I'm showing you stuff to keep you, you know, like engaged with me underwater and keep you close, you know, at a safe distance. Yeah. Have you been out to, have you ever dove Lanai? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Lanai. Yeah. We did the uh, Cathedral 2 yes. yesterday. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah, it's beautiful. 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 Yeah. The, the black coral tree that hangs down, you know, from, from the top. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love the going in and out. I love topography diving. Yeah, you know, like it gives you more of a sense of, you know, like weightlessness, you know, when you have, you know, like, you know, like a visual reference around you. Yeah, so I love that, that space, yeah. I used to work, that's what I started working when I got to Maui. Okay. When I first got to Maui, yeah, I used to work the boats going out to Lanai. Yeah, so I dove Lanai every day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's, the, what's the best dive you've seen in Hawaii? In Hawaii? Yeah. I'll say probably the diving off of Nihau, which is the northern island uh, past Kauai. Yeah, it's fantastic diving. Beautiful. Very untouched. Uh, the topography is fantastic. It's very deep water, very clear water, and a lot of marine life out there. Yeah, so I'll probably say that's the best diving in the whole of the state of Hawaii. Wow. What would you say kind of makes diving different from local? Lo country to country or site to site yeah from you know like one location i mean it's fantastic like even you can talk about the same location you can say you know like how different you know this dive site is to the dive site that's you know one mile you know south you know on the coastline you know there's, there's a difference there once you start dealing with different oceans yeah different marine life you know that's what makes it interesting you know you get to go to you know if you're working in the pacific ocean yeah here in Hawaii, yeah, twenty-five uh, percent uh, of the marine life endemic to Hawaii. Only place in the world that you will find these, uh, you know, animals. Yeah, you go somewhere else, okay, you may find, you know, organisms, okay, that only live there in that spot. Yeah, so you know, diving is, you know, yeah, you know, like the ecosystems of underwater. Yeah, they're quite complex. Yeah, they're quite complex. They're quite varied. You know, from one location to another one. Yeah. One of my favorite things to see diving is coral. Yes. But I haven't seen a lot of, I haven't done a lot of dives with beautiful coral. Yeah. It seems to, and you hear a lot in the news about like coral bleaching and, and yeah, such. Well, so do you think this is part of the reason why, or is it? Well, I mean, there's, there's places that are, still have really good coral. I mean, um, having protected areas, protected marine areas helps a lot. Yeah, you know, the biggest threat to coral, yeah, that this, you know, is a real threat. I've seen it in my lifetime, you know. I don't know what, uh, you know, what corals look like, you know, 30 years ago, and I know what they look like now because, you know, it's human interaction. Yeah, it's human, human interaction, you know, like runoff from, you know, like building, to, you know, too much, at a, you know, a certain location, yeah. Um, bad sunscreen on people. Yeah, not putting, you know, the reef safe, you know, like chemicals on you, yeah. Uh, just touching, just, you know, like not, you know, like dropping anchor down, standing on the coral, touching stuff, okay. So, you know, like those things can be avoided 
and coral could be healthier. Now, global warming, yeah, you know, like this is, a, you know, it's a threat, okay? And corals, you know, when the temperature increases beyond their comfort level, corals die and corals bleach, yeah? That's why, you know, like now certain areas of the world, 50% of the coral population has died in the last 20 years, yeah? Because, you know, temperatures are, you know, increasing every year, yeah? It doesn't take much. So... Do you have any places that are on like a checklist or bucket list? On a of bucket list to places I still need to see? Oh, yeah. Plenty. Yeah. I love to go uh, and die the Sea of Cortez, Baja California. Uh, French Polynesia. Many places out there. Galapagos Islands. Yeah. Uh, Is it very... possible to even dive at the Galapagos? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Uh, some of the best diving in the world. Yeah. Um, you have also Guadalupe Island. Of a Mexican island, off of, the, off of the Baja Peninsula, also really, you know, the place with the great white sharks. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, South Africa. Yeah, you got you know like the the sardine run in South Africa. Yeah, that's you know one of the best shows in the world. Yeah, you know like schools of sardines come in, and then all ocean hunters gather in the in the area in vast numbers. So that's a you know on the bucket list for sure. So if you do any of those dives, which of your own equipment would you bring and what stuff would you just rent when you got there? Uh, I mean, if I was doing those dives, I would be going there to dive a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't do one dive. You know, if I was there, I'll probably be doing a week of diving or more, in which case I will bring all my equipment. Yeah, I wouldn't have anything rental. Yeah. Right. Now, if I go, if I go, you know, like diving somewhere else, okay, and I'm only doing maybe one day of diving, I won't bother taking equipment. I'll, I'll get a rental gear and I'll go diving. I bring my mask. I bring my dive computer. Yeah, I bring the mouthpiece to my regulator. Uh-huh. And that's about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm here with my parents, and we got a lot of equipment with us. Like each yeah. person has their stuff, and. It's kind of, it adds up. It adds up, yeah. You know. It's, it's heavy. Yeah. And um, airlines these days have been more and more restrictive in terms of luggage weight and yep. check-ins and so on. So I almost think that, like, like I was looking at some fins the other day, mm-hmm. and some of the ones I thought looked cool were way too heavy. I was like, yeah. I wouldn't get these just because of what they would do to my luggage weight, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I mean, scuba manufacturers are, you know, they do have a range for like more like travel friendly stuff, you know, less weight, you know, like more compact. You can pack it a little easier. Yeah. But, you know, it may not be what's best suitable for you. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you have to give up a little comfort to, you know, to have, you know, like more, you know, easily to travel with. Yeah. I mean, my fans, I can travel with them. Cannot. (laughs) No. Yeah. Is you it, have a very. Let me yeah. grab those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just a little big. <laughs> those are uh, so called skin diving. They're free, fins, di- free, free diving, diving fins. Yeah. Uh, what's kind of the advantage of those versus. What someone might typical wear, you know, like shorter blade fin. Uh, well, when it comes down to okay, comfort. Yeah, they're very easy. Your your legs don't get tired. Okay, because you have 
which ones are more comfortable? The free diving fins. I, I find, you know, personally, they're more comfortable for, you know, like extended diving. When I'm doing, you know, three, four dives a day, yeah, you know, like I, I feel less, you know, like foot strained from those than I do from shorter fins. Because one yeah. kick gives you more? One kick gives me more. I don't have to put too more power to the kick. And then mostly, okay, what I'm wearing for is safety. If I need to, if I get to be in a position that I need to assist somebody, tow them at the surface, fight strong currents or whatever else, I have more power to my kick than with a shorter fin. Uh, the fins I got, I guess it was 19 years ago now, they had just come out at the time. Yeah. They were uh, by Scuba Pro, but they were these split fin, yeah. kind of very soft. Yeah. And they, they, uh, advertise them as giving you 30% more air, more energy efficient. More energy efficient, yep. However, I found them to be rubbish when it came to... Actually uh, moving underwater. <laughs> yeah, like if you had to go against a current or if you had to drag another person, yep. like for rescue diver training, they were they're, they're not good. rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need... I mean, if, if you're dealing with, you know, like having to kick and have a responsive fin, I mean, personal preference, of course, you know, some instructors, they like what they like, yeah, but personal preference, I prefer a stiffer blade that provides more, you know, power, yeah. Did you ever dive with those Navy SEAL ones that are kind of upside down? Yeah, the little, you know, force fins that I've tried it before, you know, like, I mean, they reduce uh, foot fatigue also, yeah, but I don't like them. You, you didn't know? like them? No. I don't, I've, I never have seen a place that actually carries them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think I've seen. I mean, they were quite expensive, also. Yeah, I've uh, yeah, never seen were. a place having them as rental units. Yeah, people. I don't. I think the look of them. People wouldn't. You know, like you know, like really know. I think you have to to use those fins. You have to really know how to kick properly, which is a problem for a lot of beginner divers. They don't know how to you know properly use a kicking technique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're less forgiven. Those fins, I'll say. Yeah. When I went through the Patty uh, course work with my son, the entire first section mm -hmm. is just kind of a sales pitch for yeah. for diving. Yeah. There's like nothing, no useful information in there. It's just yeah. trying to get you amped up and excited yeah. about diving. The, the introductory to the course, yeah, yeah. you know about you doing the course and what else comes next. Yeah, and oh. I I thought that was kind of lame, mm. but I got to do that right now. Yeah, if someone uh, was curious about diving like what would you say to them to what would you say to somebody listening to this that would pique their interest in diving more i mean if you're interested i mean the one thing if you if you have an interest in what diving can you know open up for you you know you want to experience what it feels like to actually breathe underwater it's a fantastic sensation yeah uh is to give it a try, like anything else. You know, if you think you may have something that may, you know, like you may get some enjoyment out of it, give it a try. If you do enjoy it, my God, I mean, it can open up a whole world to you. I mean, part of my job, part of my the rewarding aspect of my job of teaching, yeah. Because after 20 years of teaching, I'm not tired of teaching. I still love teaching. I still love, you know, like bringing people into diving. Because it changes you in a way. It changes you. We are the 1% of people that get to see what's under the water and how the ocean is acting. You know, to everybody else, it's just, you know, they see the surface and that's where it all stops. Yeah. And, you know, 70% of our planet is water. You know, we depend on the ocean a lot. Yeah. So divers are, you know, one of those, you know, that we get to see what damage 
humans can do to the oceans and then we can maybe help out in a certain way. Even if I change the perception of one person, you know, that's rewarding enough for me. How do you feel about commercial fishing? Yeah, it needs to be, you know, like like anything else, it needs to be regulated. You know, it needs to be regulated, you know, because we are decimating the oceans and at an alarming rate, alarming rate. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not even, you know, like if it's happening, it's, it is happening. It's just how many more years do we have of healthy oceans? Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, the commercial fishing, you know, like, yeah, it's just, you know, we're, yeah, taking everything out. People like sushi. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> well, this is there's, there's sustainable ways of doing it, and then you know the thing is that it has been proven. There's sustainable ways of doing it. Okay, it just takes some involvement from you know like you know countries, yeah, and governments to regulate these things. Yeah, you know like it can be certain individuals that may want to change certain things, but when it comes down to is regulations and laws. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with international waters where there is no law. Yeah, it's a free for all for anybody to go and get and get things out. Yeah, so they gotta regulate things. Okay, there's uh, enough, you know, like places in the world that they have, you know, like basically gone into more, you know, like safer ways of, you know, catching, you know, fish, uh, avoiding the bycatch that, you know, like that, you know, off the commercial diving, you know, activities go you know, that happen, and the oceans can replenish themselves. Yeah, you know, the oceans know what to do. It just takes us, you know, like taking a little step back and not taking more than what we, than is providing, you know, that is providing. Uh, I guess I got two, two follow up questions related to this topic. It, it seems that Hawaii is probably fairly serious in terms of protecting its reefs and fish populations because of tourism. No, not no, so much. Not so much. Yeah, there could be there could be much more. You know, like you know, like at least in Maui County, in all the state of Hawaii, you know, can be a lot more done towards that. You know, that goal. Yeah, I mean, us the the dive professionals on this island. I mean, we're trying to you know like get certain regulations to pass. You know, like you know, but it's difficult. I mean, we have we have we feel like we have no saying. You know, the little man doesn't, you know, his government has to step up and, you know, like, do something, yeah. Yeah, there could be more more done on this island, yeah. I was told that you're not allowed to jump into the water within 150 f- meters of dolphins. Yeah, uh, whales. Yeah. Uh, whales, yeah, whales are protected, yeah. You know, humpback whales are protected in these waters, yeah. You cannot enter the water or approach them in any way. If you're on a boat, okay, you have to kill engines. You cannot approach, you know, closer to certain, you know, distance, yeah. And it's, you know, they, at least, you know, that, they're, you know, more on it, okay. That, you know, like people don't do that much, yeah. But then it's the same thing with turtles, yeah. When turtles are at the surface, turtles are coming onto the beach, okay. They need a certain, you know, like certain distance, you know, to make them, you know, not feel threatened, yeah. Everybody should know about it. It's not like, you know, like, oh, I just didn't know that I wasn't supposed to touch turtles. But it happens. Okay, if I was on a beach and I saw a turtle yeah. and no one was around yeah. and there was no laws, yeah. I would want to touch that turtle. Yeah. But, you know, it comes down to, you know, like, I mean, this is, uh, 
wildlife, yeah, you know, you should always, you know, respect it. And part of respect the wildlife is have no interaction with it. You mm. know, you know, you want to be an observer, but you don't want to, you know, you know, like interact with it in any way. You know, you never know what bacteria you may have in your hands that you know is it doesn't you know sit well with them. Yeah. But sometimes, uh, in the case of like fishing line being on a turtle, you would actually yeah. step yeah. in there and yeah. interact I mean, with I, it. Right? I had I had it you know three days ago. Yeah, and she actually just stopped so I can help her. Yeah, she just came down on the water. She swam right next to us. Yeah, I held on to her in a safe way. Yeah. And I removed the hook, yeah, and she let me do it, yeah, because I mean, fish—it's actually a fish and marine life and all this stuff—they can sense sometimes that you know, like we can help them, yeah, in a certain way. It's not the first time I've had manta rays, you know, with fishing lines attached to them, you know, come out, you know, and slow down so we can, you know, uh, you know, provide assistance to them, yeah. So you know, yeah, it's fantastic what the marine life can do. What do you do? You, um... One thing I'm kind of interested in in some weird way is um, interspecies communication or interspecies friendship. Yeah. Sometimes you see viral videos on the internet of like a dog and a cheetah that grew up together. And, yeah. You know, or uh, you know, uh, a chicken that thinks a girl's its mom or, you know, all these kind of interspecies confusions or friendships uh, I find interesting in some way. Um But when you're looking out, out like in, if you put yourself in a wild situation, yeah. For most of the animals there, we're I mean, essentially uh, apex predator. Yeah, some, right? of, some of them, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, even though you, as a diver, may have no um, ill intention, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I got pretty close to a school of fish yesterday, yeah. and I kind of felt it was cool that they weren't being more evasive. Yeah. You know, they weren't trying to get far away from me. They were just yeah. kind of okay just with me doing, being doing there. Doing the thing, yeah. Um, in what in what ways do you think? Like in which situations, or just the fish hang out with you versus avoid you? No, I mean. Certain places is for the wrong reasons. Yeah, oh. You know, like, I mean, f fish feeding, yeah, which was quite popular years ago. Now it's not. I mean, this location where we're at right now, you know, 20 years ago, they will sell fish food to take out there to feed the fish. So that's why fish, all of a sudden, they act differently towards, you know, people because they relate, you know, people with food. And that's all it takes, you know, once, you know, the marine environment or, you know, you know, wildlife, you know, basically puts food and humans together, then, you know, it's not a, it's not a good combination. Yeah, we, we need to, you know, not disturb, okay, their natural behavior. Yeah, so that disturbance, okay, could create, you know, like negative, you know, things. Yeah. Which people think, oh, fish are so friendly. It's in a, not in a good way. That they're friendly. Yeah. They're friendly because maybe somebody was feeding them. Yeah, which shouldn't happen because now we know that, you know, like interrupting the natural behavior is not good for, you know, like an aquatic, you know, ecosystem. Probably the food yeah. that people feed them isn't and it's exactly, actually, exactly. Uh, it's not, the healthiest you know, food for them. Yeah. Either. Anything you'd like to uh bring up 
as a like a last topic anything you think would be interesting i mean to anybody that's listening you know like it'll be you know like ah oh, you know it's amazing what a little something that we can do can have a great effect over other things yeah we think we may not be doing much yeah but any little thing that we do to help the environment that we live in yeah can have you know like great consequences you know can can you know it can start you know like the way you change and look at things can make somebody else change the way they look at things and then that can you know basically dominate effect into you know like better ways of doing things yeah like you know like not touching coral not playing with marine life you know not you know the sunscreen we're trying to make sunscreen in Maui you know like illegal to have chemical sunscreens over here yeah all you know basically natural stuff uh zinc oxide titanium dioxide the the only ingredients in sunscreen that are not detrimental to a coral reef system yeah so any spray bottles that you're using and going into the ocean we are killing the oceans yeah so yeah that was one thing yeah i saw that they have this hotel has a free natural sunscreen yeah, dispensers, free natural which is sunscreen pretty cool you know Makes you smell like a power bar. Yeah, but you know, yeah, <laughs> like no, a protein bar. So, so, sometimes you know the coconut smell. You know, it's not the best thing to to put on. Yeah, I, did, I didn't mind it, but it was definitely not a sunscreen smell. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's not what I'm. Yeah, what you're used to yeah. smelling. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't smell good. It's, smell it's really thick, nutty. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a brown nutty. Yeah. Sometimes the best thing is you know like you know like protection. Yeah, you know like wear a you know like a, a rush guard, wear a big hat. I don't. I don't really enjoy putting sunscreen on my body anyway, so I've no. been trying to cover up. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, you can you can put the I mean the other sunscreen is okay as long as you don't go in the ocean. Yeah, you want to put you know all the sunscreen go in the pool. That's fine. You know, they're not really gonna damage anything. Yeah. But if you are you know like basically going into an environment that's quite fragile, yeah, and under a lot of stress as it is, yeah, we don't want uh, you know make it easier okay for that environment to collapse yeah we want to you know like do our part and you know like don't introduce more chemicals to the water yeah one thing yeah. um you're mentioning earlier how governments need to get involved in the protection of certain fish and no. ocean ocean health issues yeah. How likely do you think any of, like, how likely do you think that is that positive actions would end up being taken by whatever I mean, world governments? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it changes. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, it's it's not as good as it could be. Have you seen yeah. any laws, any countries passing laws that I, were I've beneficial? Seen, I, I've worked in locations in which you know, like, the certain areas were deemed a marine park, and it's amazing in that in less than 10 years you can see changes you can see changes you can you know like if you invest in an area you invest most important education yeah you invest in education the young generation okay you know like we have set really bad examples for our children you know through the years but if we start you know like us changing our behavior teaching them to you know like to respect certain things more you know like and that could you know like i said they can you know like change things you know, like creating marine protected areas, okay, very important. You know, the same way that, you know, having, you know, like protected land areas, yeah, that are sometimes easier to 
I don't know, to change laws when it comes to that because people are more aware of it. Yeah. The ocean, because people don't really know what's going on down there because most people don't go under the water. Yeah. They don't know exactly the, 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 the impact that we have in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, it's harder. It's more difficult, but it can happen. I mean, all you need to do is, you know, change certain aspects, you know, like, um, don't let people fish, don't let people collect, you know, you know, like things in a certain, you know, like specific area and the biomass increase in the water. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, the ocean can heal itself. It just needs us to step back and let it do its thing. Most of the big commercial fishing though, is like in deep, deep waters. Yeah. People are, I mean, uh, governments are, aren't they more often turning reef areas into protected yeah, Zones, I mean, that's, that's, not that's like one it. area, yeah, but in international waters, it's a very fine line because nobody really, no country has, you know, like any, you know, like rule over international waters. So what China happens claims, is, claims the rule over it. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you get, you know, like, you know, like Asian, you know, like fisheries, you know, like coming down into, you know, like I used to work in a really remote island of Costa Rica called Cocos Island. Yeah, and you know the shark populations in the oceans are being decimated at an alarming rate. Yeah, over 100 million sharks are killed per year to support the shark fin trade that they use to make soup in China. Yeah, so you have these people, you know, like this, you know, like Chinese, Taiwanese boats coming in to Costa Rica, dropping miles and miles of long, you know, lines with hooks, you know, and catching shark, you know, and all that, whatever else stuff, just so they can cut the fence and throw the rest of the shark into the water. Yeah. So, you know, like, yeah, that's, you know, pretty bad. We saved the whales. Yeah. Because the whales were cute. Yeah. Nobody likes sharks, but yeah. sharks are more important than whales to the health of the oceans without the apex predator that hasn't been changed in 4 million years. Now, in the last two decades, we've decimated them to like a fraction of the original numbers. It's having big repercussions in the oceans. Yeah. The uh, but most people think a good shark is a dead shark. Yeah, and you know, like that's is you know such a you know like incidents may happen as in anything else. You know, incidents may happen, but it's not that you know the fear of you know like oh I'm gonna go in the water and the shark's gonna eat me. Yeah, which is the, you know, part of the, you know, like our society has taught us that, you know, the effect that one movie can have. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I always feel weird when I see a shark fin soup restaurant in yeah. Asia. Yeah. You know, I don't actually know what I could do in that, you know. Yeah to make a difference in that specific case. But I always say like, Oh, we're a whole restaurant dedicated to that. What a, what a shame. Yeah. But yeah, the best thing you can do is, you know, don't consume it and tell all the people what the reality is. Yeah. People don't, people don't know that the sharks populations are being decimated and at the rate that they are being decimated. Yeah. You know, because nobody really wants to do much about sharks. Yeah. But we need to. Without the sharks, there's going to be an imbalance in the marine life, and it can, you know. But aren't we fishing all of the sharks' food, anyways? Well, yeah, but you know, it's, you know, not all of it. I mean, no, the ocean needs a balance. That's what you know, like the, the you know, nature is wonderful, and the way it's created, it, it should be, you know, like try to keep that way. 
But when you have certain species, especially the apex predator in the water, being, you know, basically decimated, then there will be some ill effects to it, yeah. So, yeah, you know, like, don't fear sharks. <laughs> yeah. no, don't fear sharks. Don't fear sharks. Yeah. Sharks are not out to get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Count yourself lucky if you get to, you know, like, see one in the water because they're majestic creatures. Uh, what's your favorite shark you've seen in the water? In the water? Yeah. Ah, I like whale sharks. I like whale sharks. Something something exciting about seeing something the size of a bus on the water. Yeah, it makes you feel very small. I've always yeah. wanted to see a whale shark mm -hmm. in the water. Uh, I've only seen one at the Osaka Aquarium. Yeah. But I've, you know. Yeah, just to be able to jump off the boat or be on the water and have a whale shark swim by. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's I beautiful. saw some photos in dive magazines or whatever where... Yeah. They're just right there. Yeah. yeah. The friendly giants of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. They're beautiful. Well, right. <laughs> Jose, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to come dive with Jose, he's at, he's currently yeah. at Maui Five Star Scuba. Scuba. At Black Rock at the Sheridan Maui. In Maui, Hawaii. Yeah. You will uh, love it. Do you have any Instagram? I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your handle? It's all for reef. All for reef. All Is that F O R or the number four? Uh, number four. Okay. Yeah. All for reef. Yes. R E E F. R E E F. Yeah. Great. Well, thank, uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much, yeah. My pleasure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>